say. <laughs> if you guys knew the trouble <laughs> just went through trying to get this camera set up. So we're woodworkers, not AV specialists. No. My God. <laughs> this thing's a nightmare. For those of you listening, you have no idea, but um, yeah. we have quite often technical difficulties on the, the camera. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a whole other language of stuff that um, I just know nothing about. So working on it. Is this really episode 20? Yeah, believe it or not. Wow. Episode 20 of the American Craftsman Podcast. Yeah, just two guys talking about wood. <laughs> Woodworking. <laughs> we talk about wood sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Might talk about wood today. That's right. That's right. Well, let's not spare any time, not waste any time, rather, yeah. I should say, because <laughs> I need a drink now after that aggravation. We're going to go right to the beer of the week. And yeah. Sticking with our new tradition, we're going with the uh, the big bottle where we're going to share Ooh, a glass. That's a cool-looking bottle. Yeah, I, I saw this. Pipeworks, any other name. And you may have heard this. I didn't even know what this was. Saison yep. brewed with roses. Mm. Um, what a rose Saison by any other name smell and taste as... So wheat as that which we call any other name, maybe enough. This isn't Shakespeare. <laughs> I'm reading oh, this God. right from the label. <laughs> Two bad puns already. This Saison was brewed with love, rose hips, rose petals, and lemony hops. Its true essence is light, fresh, and floral. Stop. Read before opening. This beer is unfiltered. Sedimentation may occur. For best flavor, allow bottle to chill for two hours, etc., etc., allowing for the natural yeast to settle out. Pour slowly into your favorite glass, leaving sediment behind. So, interesting. This is uh, this is the first for us. Whereabout is the? Uh, does it say Illinois? Yeah, Chicago. Uh oh. Uh oh. We got a spill. Let me get some of those uh, <laughs> terrible paper towels. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll pour this out. Wow, it is pretty fragrant right off the bat. I do like a Saison. I don't know if I've ever had one. Nice uh, straw yellow color. Yeah. Oh. Check maybe it not, out. Maybe not straw yellow. Yeah, it's pretty golden. Make sure we don't get any of that sediment in there. Yeah, I'm not afraid of any sediment. Yeah, I mean, to really tell you the truth. Seems to be pretty clear. Getting a good two glasses out of this. Yeah. Well, there you, there's that. That's yours. We've hit sediment. <laughs> hit rock bottom. <laughs> All right. It smells good. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to you guys. Yeah. Wow. Mm. That's different. Yeah. I can't say I can even like put my finger on like the smell of a rose because I'm. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm not really out uh, smelling flowers very often. I I don't smell. I mean. 
Smell isn't my strongest of senses. But it doesn't have an overly floral scent. I wouldn't say that. More bitter, bitter than I was expecting. And not as cold as I was expecting it to be. No. They must have just gotten it in. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. It is light. Yeah. Pipe works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we ventured out of the area for this one from uh, the Midwest, Chicago. Yeah. Pipeworks Brewing Company. Label artwork by Eric Lundquist. Hmm. So, there you go. Well, that brings us to the tool of the week. Yeah. I had the honor this week. This is a little something I actually got in um, yesterday. It was yesterday or the day before. I mean, yeah. the days just fly by around here. Especially <laughs> Wednesdays. Wednesdays are quick. Yeah. So these are, this is something that I've been meaning to pick up for a long time. I've always wanted to try them out. I, I see them in the catalogs and online and um, all over the place. So I finally grabbed a little three pack, like the sample pack. These are the Samflex sanding blocks from Klingspore. So this is actually, there's a three in this pack that I bought. And I think these are smaller than the... Than I was going to ask you if the sample was a little bit smaller. Yeah, I was expecting them to be the size of like a uh, drywall sponge. Yeah. You know, like yeah. maybe an inch by three by four or something like that. These are these are about five-eighths of an inch by two inches by three inches. It's like the motel soap. Yeah. <laughs> Even, well, a little bit bigger. Little bigger so this comes with a coarse, a medium, and a fine... <clears throat> This is a, it's basically, it's just a block of rubber with grit impregnated into it um, all the way through. So you can, what I used it for is the, with the steam rig, we got some water on the cast iron and uh, I took the medium one and then the fine one and, and just yeah. buffed it out real quick. Yeah. It really polished it up. Nice. And that was with minimal elbow grease. Like yeah. I, I, I just did it to kind of see uh, what the deal was. I took a couple spots off of the saw stop because... You know, this is a working shop. We stuff gets on the cast iron. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah. This isn't a it's show. Not a TV studio. Yeah, no, it's not a showroom. Uh, I used it today to take some uh, like surface rust off of the sole of my shoulder plane. Um, Mine's just, got a little on there too. Yeah, it's just a good thing to have around. Yeah, I um, think so. You don't really want to use like regular sandpaper on no. on that kind of stuff. No. It's it's um not ideal. So. Something I wanted to try out. I really like it so far. You know, maybe it doesn't have my 100% seal of approval yet because I've only been using it for for a day, but um, I thought it was definitely worth checking out. The course, I'd say, is maybe like looks 180. Rough. It looks rough from here. It feels rough. It, it uh, doesn't feel rough. It it like looks rough, and the, the uh, little rubber pieces that come off like seem big, but the grit that's inside of it is is mm. actually pretty fine. We feel it. It's, it's pretty fine. The medium, oh, I'd yeah. say, is... Uh, yeah, because if you rub your finger on it, it's, I mean, we have You don't feel it, yeah. <laughs> the medium's maybe like a 320, and the fine has got to be higher than 600, I'd say. I mean, that, that almost feels smooth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that almost feels like an eraser. So it says on it, uh, popular use uses include... 
Clean rust from tools and unfinished metals. Remove rust from outdoor equipment. Clean stainless steel stainless steel sinks, pots, and pans. Restore nap to suede. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> We've been hmm. spending too much time together. <laughs> Clean electrical contacts. Remove mineral deposits from ceramic tile and toilets. Clean tires and rubber products. Simply use the block like an eraser, rubbing firmly on the surface. Can be used wet or dry. Choose from three grits, coarse, medium, or fine. Not recommended for plated or painted surfaces. Test on inconspicuous area before use. Non-toxic. Yeah. Then it says in like a little uh, <laughs> explosion bubble, it's a solid block of grit. Yeah, yeah. Made by Klingspor. Made in Germany. Well, I like it. Yeah. I like it. 15 bucks for these three uh, little things. I figured worth a shot. Yeah, we'll get a use out of them for you sure. Know, you know what these are probably good for? I, uh, I took the gum rubber... You know, those gum rubber things for cleaning sandpaper. Mm-hmm. I took that to the grip blocks because I noticed that oh, yeah. the little n- nubs had gotten all I dusty. Saw you there. And it really helped. But I bet this couple swipes over that will clean yeah. all the dust out of those and it won't be. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna borrow those when I have a, a minute of time. Uh, clean off my planes. Because they do get a little bit. I mean, we live in the Northeast. Yeah. So even though we have a conditioned shop. I mean, so like, I'm not the best at, after I sharpen my stuff, to, like, dry it off 100%, mm-hmm. put a coat of, like, a coat of oil on yeah. it. So sometimes the... Because <laughs> we're working. Yeah. <laughs> like, the top the top of your chisel um, yeah. will get rust on it. Yeah. Which, you know, in the long run is not good. It's not really, like, an immediate problem where it's like, man, I got to get this rust off right now. But, you know, you want to keep your tools nice. Yeah. they get, When they start getting spotty, they don't look as nice. Too. Yeah. So check it out. Maybe yeah. I'll I'll take it to my Yeti uh, coffee cup over there. Yeah, <laughs> that <laughs> thing's been through some shit. The, the true test. Yeah, <laughs> clean that. <laughs> yeah, but check it out. Sandflex hand block cleaning yeah, and like polishing. It. We'll have a link down in the description as always. Yeah, you know what that brings us. Where's that gripe of the week? Going to take a little diversion this week. I, I was talking to Jeff. I was like, you know, it's only twenty weeks in, and I'm I'm running out of petty gripes. And I, you know, this week I think I just I just need a break because life is good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't even have anything petty to gripe about this week. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> it has to be extra petty. <laughs> no, in all seriousness. There's a lot going on out there. You know, everybody knows we have the coronavirus and everything else that's that goes with it. And, but we're doing all right for ourselves. You know, oh, yeah. we we live here, we work here and um, I'm feeling pretty good. I know Jeff is. I could speak for him. We spend enough time together. Yeah. Uh, it's so, looking like uh, it's shaping up to be a good year. Yeah. Yeah. So no gripe this week. Yeah, we're gonna count our <laughs> blessings this week. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and we have I see a lot of questions. Oh yeah, we got a we got a three pager today. <laughs> oh man. We don't usually have that many. <laughs> we're trying to get started early, but these camera issues, uh yeah. we need to get somebody in here to teach me how to set up that camera. Really a full two pages. The last page is kind of uh, doesn't really have anything on it. But um so we're gonna start off the show with a joke. From our buddy Dave. <laughs> DW's remodeling on Instagram. I'm actually wearing Dave's, yeah. Dave's shirt today. 
Yeah, I had mine on yesterday. Um, I think I had my uh, Blake Woodward you shirt did. on yesterday. Yeah. So Dave wants to know, what's your exercise routine? <laughs> yeah. well, well, Dave, I tell you, I start each work day off with a brisk walk. <laughs> I uh, How long of a walk is it? That Well, the back door, we can see from right here. That's I'm going to say it's a good 30 feet. It involves five steps. And then I'm into the shop. I sit down with my cup of coffee and we, we start the work day. Usually, you know, we have a short meeting. So, um, and then I like to end the day the same way with that. That long walk. That brisk walk, five steps back up into the house. Oh, I'm getting uh, Instagram messages on the Price of Cherry in Michigan. <laughs> it, it definitely can't beat what we're getting here. No way. Oh, uh, yeah. O'Shea is, I mean, we just select and better. They're getting a dollar more than what we're paying wow. for FAS. Wow. Yeah. We spent uh, half a day yesterday and half a day today jointing and, and yeah. playing. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So over here off camera is an entire, you know, 100 plus board feet of cherry. Um, that's down to an inch plus a 64th. We'll run it through the. Um, I always want to call it a wide belt sander. I wish it was through the double drum sander and then um, we'll have it down to an inch. Yeah. Yeah. And be more or less ready to start making parts. You know, we'll have to joint an edge too, but. Yeah. Yeah. I always, uh, I mean, we have some questions about this, so maybe I won't talk about it, but. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, that's a pretty stringent exercise routine. <laughs> Can you top that? <laughs> well, <laughs> my exercise consists of um, carrying boards into the shop from the yeah. woodshed, joining, um, hand planing, sanding. That's about it. Yeah. Of uh, course, I should do more, but. Yeah. I, I was thinking that maybe, you know, once it warms up, we might get out on our bicycles or something like that. The Henry Hudson trails right here. Yeah. You might even start riding your bike to work. Maybe. Speak for yourself. <laughs> it's, what is it, about two miles? Yeah. It's a good little ride. I mean, the first thing in the morning, though, you know, you're really just not in the mood. No. And and then the last thing. Of the yeah. And then maybe it's going to rain. or I mean, I do. A, I Believe me, I would love to have the time to. Yeah. Uh, and I know this is always like a thing where it's like everybody's got time to do anything. But. I do a lot of work in the morning. Like I wake up yeah. at five, I sit down with my coffee, I'll get on the computer, I'm writing emails, drawing on Fusion, writing up proposals, editing videos, whatever. Um, so it's like I'm going to carve out an hour of that to go exercise. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a morning person by any stretch, so I could really, I wouldn't enjoy it. And at this point in life, you know, as long as I, I can maintain you know, semblance of health. Um, I mean, I did bike. I was a pretty avid bicyclist for a while. I, I but it's it's been wow. I, I mean, I don't even know how many years. I want to say it, it might be six or seven years now since I I last rode my bike. But I did ride from here down to Chincoteague, Virginia, and back in mm -hmm. four days. That was four hundred miles. So that that was pretty good ride. Yeah. So I have the ability, <laughs> just don't have to drive. Yeah. I don't have to drive anymore to do that. Yeah, probably um, 
eight about eight years ago, I did 15 miles every morning on my bike. Yeah. And my bike was a two speed. Yeah. <laughs> well, plus you you know we you you have bad knees. I have bad knees. Yeah, I, mean, I start physical therapy on Monday. Um, I'm wearing these sleeves because you know I I it, I was told you know it it manifests itself in my elbows like right at the joint, but I was told it's part of the bicep tendon that that's where it hooks on yeah and that's what gets strained so (laughs) that's like i'm having i've been having some neck pain my god we sound like we're falling apart i'm having some neck pain i think it's life is still good it's from working on the computer and and editing the last it started when i edited that first youtube video which takes a while even for like a 20 minute long video um but my wife thinks it's originating in my shoulder blade yeah. So like one of the muscles under there is pulling something. Yeah. yeah. But who knows? We're so, not going to pretend we're doctors. No, no. So we don't really exercise. Uh, we. I no. mean, the job is physical. We don't get a, any cardio really mm, here. No. But we are moving and you know joining, planning, all that stuff. It is is pretty physical work. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, thanks for your concern, Dave. <laughs> it's like I'm talking to my doctor. Like yeah, I know I should be doing something, but I'm not. Um, I promise next year. Next year, <laughs> when you'll have you to see send me us new shirts, they'll all have to be a size bigger. <laughs> oh God, please no. Hopefully not. <laughs> all right, you want to read the second question? Yeah, here's our next one. Uh, so this is building on what we were talking about last week a little bit. Building on your, quote, buy one chisel slash plane at a time, end quote, philosophy from last week, what size and type of chisel and plane would you buy first, and in what order would you buy the rest? From Alan S. He's Al about it on Instagram. Yeah, well. What do you think? I guess he's asking, like, sizes. Yeah, yeah. Size of chisel and, you know, size and type of plane. Yeah. If I would start with one chisel... I would probably start with like a mortise style hmm. so that, you know, because I, I like that where the, you can get into the corners and stuff like that. I like the the long blade on it. I like that. And eh, maybe something three eighths or a half inch small enough to get inside some of those mortises and clean them out. And, you know, for bigger cuts, you're just going to have to make do. You yeah. don't have to multiple passes. So I guess we'll talk about chisels and then we'll go to plane. Yeah. I'm going to say a three quarter inch beveled edge chisel. Okay. You know, like your standard yeah. beveled edge chisel with, you know, make sure it has really fine bevels so that you can get into not get in square to a corner, but get in tight to mm-hmm. a corner like a in a dovetail, for example, when you're clearing out the, um, you know, between the tails. You need something that can get very tight into a, a very acute yeah, corner. Yeah. Um, I think three quarter inch is a is a good general size because you have enough reference surface, but but it's not too big where it's gonna be Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if you've ever tried to chisel in a straight line <laughs> with yeah. a small chisel, it can wind up looking like, you know, a snake. I find that um, as a finished carpenter, three quarter inch was the chisel I always reached for. Yeah. And now my five ace is actually what I reach for most. Yeah. So I'd say somewhere in that range, anywhere between a half inch and three quarter. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I like the Lee Nielsen's. I've had a bunch of different kinds of chisels. Those are the only like high end chisels I've had. I had the Stanley 750s and a bunch of other junky kind of stuff. 
Um, I think the bang for the buck is can't beat it. Yeah, can't beat it. That's fifty bucks well spent. It's a lifetime tool. Yeah. We say it all the time. Yeah. And you'll wind up learning another skill because you learn to keep them sharp. Yeah. It's not a disposable item like maybe. A Which we actually we have a uh, question about that oh. today. Oh. Well, what do you know? And what about planes? You, you're going to go with your old standby? Yeah, I'm going to say uh, start out with a block plane, a low angle block plane. Um, now, if you had to live with one, just one plane for a while before you got another, I don't know if you would go with the, sm like I have the small yeah, low angle, yeah. maybe go with a, a full size low angle block plane. And um, I was reading today, who the hell said it? I forget, but they basically they're talking about how all of these modern, not all of them, all, all of the modern block planes made by like Stanley and... Uh, Tay Tools and Shop Fox, you know, all these mm -hmm. like lower end. Record. Yeah, they're just junk. They're total, yeah. they're not even worth having. So again, we always say it, spend the money, get one that's good because it's going to work. If you get one that's cheap, it's just not going to work that well. Yeah, yeah. I agree 100% with the, you know, the block plane, get one that's, you know, sort of mid-size, so it'll tackle most jobs. I mean, it's a, it's a do-all kind of plane yeah. for the most part. Um, and for and if general woodworking. Yeah, if you're just getting started with hand tools, you're not smoothing no. surfaces. You <laughs> right. know, you're going to be cleaning up an edge. Yeah, you know, taking milling marks off of an edge, breaking the corners. Stuff it's like easy that. to control because you know you can get your whole hand yeah. on it and stuff. It's it's a great choice. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, what order would you buy the rest? Were we having some technical difficulties there? Uh, well, we're back. <laughs> Did I did I mention that we were woodworkers and not oh AV specialists? Oh, it's the second question. Yeah. Oh, well, somebody <laughs> forgot to plug in the laptop. It wasn't Rob. So we uh, got cut off twenty two minutes in. That was an hour ago. We're gonna have to yeah. We're gonna have to fly through these questions. Oh, no. More than an hour ago. You know, for 20 episodes, we've had very minimal yeah. screw-ups. Today, today wasn't our day as far as, yeah. you know, the electronics end of things. So where we got cut off, we were talking um, on Alan's question. Yeah. Uh, Al about it on Instagram about the chisels and planes. Um, to sum it up, excuse me, either a mortise chisel or a uh, beveled as chisel to start and then find out what you need job by job. If you're going to be cutting through mortises, obviously you want to pick up a mortise chisel. If you're going to be doing dovetails, you want a bevel edge chisel. Mm -hmm. So go yeah. job by job and pick things up that way. So you just fulfill that need for your job. It's the easiest way to sort of build You'll up know. That. You'll know what's going on. After you get one thing, you'll, you'll feel the need for another thing that it doesn't do. Yep, exactly. Um... And we we both agreed on a nice block plane, not a not a tiny one, but something that feels good in the hand. Yep, something that's universal. Yeah, I think when it got cut off, I was talking about uh, I was reading something about you know all these modern block planes for the most part are really junky and uh, always spend the money on the on the real. Yeah, deal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And a block plane is a is a good buy. I mean, under two hundred dollars, oh, yeah. you can get just about anything. anything. Yep. Uh, then we had a question from Keith. K 
Kay Kelbecca on Instagram. Yeah. See, I got it this time. <laughs> Rob read it on the unrecorded version of the podcast. That's right. What joiner and planer do you use? Shelix? Yeah. We we spoke for quite a, a bit of, uh, yeah, uh, last week, not yesterday, yeah, yeah, yeah. about the virtues of our 4240 uh, Oliver 10-inch yep. joiner. Um, if we had a bigger one, I mean, 12 inches would be cool. That's we we do run into some size limitations. We had to trim some of the boards for this armoire project mm-hmm. on the bandsaw, um, but generally speaking, that thing is uh, as good as gold's. Um, I'm just thinking to myself. I'm glad I looked over and saw the laptop had <laughs> that's turned right. off. You said, that's we were about to go to the second page of the podcast. <laughs> My laptop, the screen is black. That doesn't sound right. Oh, God. At least we can see it, imagine. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So, and then our planer. um, The Yorkcraft 20-inch. Yeah, we got a generic 20-inch planer. Um, Probably I bought it, you know, 16, 17, 18 years ago for a 1000 bucks or whatever. Brand new. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nothing special except we did put... A helical head in it. Yeah, Lux Cut 3 from, um, um, I forget the name of the website, woodcutter.com, yeah, something that, like was that. Was he up in Canada, that guy, right? Uh, uh, Canada or somewhere like... Um, north. Yeah. North of here. They sell the Shelix and mm-hmm. the Lux Cut, all that stuff. But, uh, I, I mean, we, we wouldn't be able to get this planer for the price today because everything's gone up. But yeah. for what we have invested in this machine... Uh, an entry level commercial machine. It's it's great. I mean, we we would love something a little bit better, and we probably, if things go as we feel this year, we'll probably upgrade that. If anybody <laughs> is looking for a, a beautiful twenty inch, uh, you know, yeah. entry level plane with it's a, a workhorse, basically a new helical head in it. Yeah, we just turned the cutters for the first time, mm-hmm. so. We'd I mean I'd love to get that that Oliver twenty inch Oliver in. Yeah, that's that's what we have our eye on. Yeah, um, and uh, and that's it. We don't really have anything fancy in this shop. I mean, the fanciest in air quotes tool we have is our saw stop. You know, it's got. Yeah, I mean, like we the, got the Festool stuff, but yeah, it's just <laughs> it's not fancy. It's just good. <laughs> right, right. We don't have any anything like that's that's doing the work for us. No, though. no. no. <laughs> Yeah, we're pushing all the boards through. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd like to get a power feed. Uh, <laughs> we got the next question from Miles Thompson, one of our patrons. He wants to know about our joining process. Well, if you guys can believe it, we had um, even more problems. Looked up, my computer was off again. So <laughs> we're going to go back. One, two, three, four. Five, six. We're going to go back six questions again. It's from our buddy Miles Thompson. He's one of our Patreon patrons. Miles asking about our joining process. So we just talked about uh, what joiner and planer we use. And now we'll talk a little bit about uh, how we go about joining. So, Rob, what's your, uh, what's your methodology? I do it the old-fashioned way. Face, edge, edge. Um... If we have a whole bunch like we have over there on the tables, Uh basically we'll just do the face and then run it straight over to the planer so we have the parallel surface. And that way, when we bring it back to the joint, we can, you know, 
pick the best edge to join, and then we'll bring it over to the table saw and start with the ripping and things like that. You might notice we're chawing on some gum right now. Because our mouth is so dry. Yeah. Oh, Lord. This this is our third time through. This has been the doom, the cursed number 20 podcast. Um, Yeah, I like to uh, face joint one, face, <laughs> face joint. I like to face joint, then plane, and then join an edge. That's just my, the way I like to do it. Um, you know, this is the third time we've answered this, so you, sh- you shouldn't be making any mistakes. I know, my God. <laughs> You have three different answers for the third for the third go round. Um, next one's from Randall M. RM Crafts and Customs on Instagram. These questions all seem uh, <laughs> scarily uh, familiar. What software do you guys use to design your builds, and what do you think you can improve on when using your software? Well, we use SketchUp. That was our first. Uh, I learned SketchUp about fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Kind of taught you a little bit. You learn most of it from the internet. Yep. Then we found out about Fusion 360. Yep. That's where you're at right now. Yeah, so the whole 3D printing thing got me um, got me to see the weaknesses in SketchUp. Yeah. And then, you know, explored some other options, saw the power of Fusion 360 and decided like, hey, I think this is a really good um, tool to have in our quiver. So it's a better program for what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, I got a reminder. Take the shop garbage out. Um, oh. I'd say the biggest thing to improve is using these programs to their full potential. Finding the time to learn all the ins and outs. And I the, think so. How to uh, extrapolate different information automatically. Because we just kind of got, we're just brushing the surface with these programs. We're just getting by. We're, we're doing what we need to, um, but not learning it. 100%. Right, because we're wearing every single hat here in the shop. Yeah, there's only so much time to devote to... <laughs> we go to bed early. <laughs> we wake up, start... We're, I mean, Jeff really kicks into work early. He's working 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Now, me, I'm thinking about work, but I'm not necessarily doing much work until about 7 o'clock. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sort of planning. I'm not really a morning person. But, you know, I'm pretty good. Once I get going, I busted out that drawing this morning. Yeah. Forgot about that. It seems like a <laughs> lifetime ago because we just, we're shooting this podcast for a third time. <laughs> um, We got our next one here from Neil. Neil Tango Golf on Instagram. Those are his initials, by the way. He doesn't like to dance and golf. He may like to do those as well, but uh, that's not what it yeah. signifies. Do you have a sharpening routine for hand tools like planes and chisels? This is too funny to doing this for the third time. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. So I, I have a Trend 300 thousand grit combo, diamond stone. Then I go to a Shapton 5,000, Shapton 8,000, Shapton 12,000. And that's it. I have the machine. I have the Veritas Mark something or other. It's like a slow speed. Like a disc Yeah, like disc a disc sander, sander almost. And... It's really like a, it's perfect for kind of like the entry level sharpener. It, it, it's quick and dirty. Exactly. It'll get them, it'll get them sharp, mm-hmm. not to shave with, but if I'm working with a chisel and I need that specific chisel and it's getting a little dull, in five minutes I can pull out the machine, hone that thing up, and be back at work. Yep. So that's what it's good for. 
it, it mostly sits around, but you know, probably once a year I break it out and go through all the tools. Yeah, a couple months ago we all had a day yeah. of doing some sharpening. Uh, you want to take this next one from Jeff B? Yeah. Quit my chawn. How much skill and knowledge have you gained from books versus a mentor or co-worker? That's Jeff B, Jeff Geoferia or Geoferia on Instagram. We've debated that all three times. <laughs> we still have no answer. Um, I'd say that most of my um, knowledge is from like YouTube videos and a little bit of books and a little bit of magazines, stuff like that. And just picking up little tidbits from different people. But the, yeah. the bulk of it is sort of self-taught. I would agree. I mean, I learned quite a bit from watching Norm Abrams, like New Yankee Workshop. This is going back 25 years now. Books from the library, fine woodworking magazine. And then everywhere you work, you kind of pick up something. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be... Like I worked in a wood shop and picked this up. I might have been helping some guy do some plumbing work or whatever. And you just pick up a habit or yep. a way to do things. So neither of us have really been lucky enough to be in a formalized program or anything like that. So we've had to teach ourselves through trial and a lot of error yep. and sharing what we know and having an open mind. And like I, I like to say, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. And you're going to be better off. Yeah. So there you go. What's next? Is this where we left off last time? <laughs> no. Uh, now I'm paranoid. I keep looking over at my computer, making sure the screen's not yeah, black. Yeah, it's still on. Oh, God. All right. I'll ask this one. Do you foresee any issue with making a three-inch thick bench top out of various hardwood scraps? I have maple, cherry, walnut, red oak, hickory, and poplar. And is there a brand of holdfast dogs, clamps, etc., that you'd recommend for the bench? I'm not a big hand tool user. I just want to make the bench more versatile by adding some dog holes. That's asked by Pat D., who's Patrick Dacey on Instagram. I think uh, we've developed a good opinion on this over the last um, three go-rounds. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're solid. Think think about uh, how much <laughs> headache you're willing to um, Rich, what? Oh, it's Ridge Carbide ready to send our blades back. About time. Thanks a lot, Ridge. It's been, been a month. I know. They moved to Kansas without telling us. We had to borrow a blade from John. Yeah. Um, just consider how much headache you're willing to deal with um, versus spending a little bit of money on material. You could get yourself some 12 quarter and make a, a single species top and you're going to have less worry with um, different expansion and contraction. If you start to butt these different species together, you know, your top is probably going to implode. It's going to be a lot of work to flatten. Yeah. A lot. All those small pieces. And then it's going to, you know, they're going to expand and contract at different rates. So you're going to have high spots and low spots. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, you got to make a compromise somewhere. It's either going to be with the amount of work or the amount of money you spend. So, um, is it impossible? No, but Issues, is it yes. worth it? Yeah. Is it worth it? Maybe not. Um, 
we were saying that you know you can maybe add some in as like an accent would to make mm-hmm. the bench yeah, look cool. Be totally cool. But uh, to glue up thin strips again, we don't know what kind of material you have. It, it could be two inches, two inches wide and three yeah. inches thick. Um, but yeah, gluing up a bunch of little pieces probably not a good idea. That's why you don't really see benches made that way. No, no. Um, in terms of uh, dog holes, dog uh, bench dogs, hold fast that kind of stuff. Uh, make your own wooden dogs. Yeah. Uh, Jeff made made mine. Well, he made his, and then he made me some, and he knocked it out of the park. I mean, I just basically threw away <laughs> the aluminum. Yeah, ones it's I pretty. Had. They're pretty easy to make. <laughs> um, it's like one, two, two cuts on the table saw, and one on the bandsaw, and then you glue a little thing on. You're you're good to go. And you gotta be careful while you're cutting those small parts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys missed that part. And we're not gonna go back over. Yo, it. We, can't, <laughs> we can't do it. <laughs> Uh, check out Tools for Working Wood. They have a bunch of Holdfast and stuff like yeah, that. Gramercy, yeah. I think, is the brand. Um, again, I don't have any experience with Holdfast, but their stuff looks good. I've heard good things. All so. the stuff in Lee Valley, all the, the regular catalog folks, yeah. they have tons of that stuff. Yeah, get one made by an actual uh, blacksmith, not one. Uh, Miles, we just passed your question, Miles. He sent me a, a uh, <laughs> funny, <laughs> funny message on Instagram. Um, here's our next one from Corey K. Corey R. Kennedy on Instagram. What is your opinion on framed versus frameless cabinets? Well, we've developed quite an opinion on this. Over yeah, the you know, of the, last. Uh, the bottom line is it's an it's an aesthetic choice for us. It's not one of economy, and and usually frameless cabinets get lumped in with the the cheaper, quick, and you know, inexpensive way to make something. Uh, we design stuff from the ground up and sometimes a frameless cabinet with an overlay door is going to fit the bill. Yep. Modern aesthetic. That's what the client's looking for. We just want to encourage everybody to do things as well as they can with intention, with integrity and don't get hung up on any of these other things. Yeah. If you're not using frameless as a crutch to just knock something out cheaper Mm -hmm. uh, at a lower level of quality. Right. We just do what works for the design. So yeah. as long as it's made well, we don't care if it's framed or frameless. We we no. use them um, interchangeably. Yeah, I mean, 75, 80% of what we do is framed, inset doors. Yeah. Um, but we, we go with the flow here. Yeah. All right. So the next question is from our good buddy, Tim B., True Trade Carpentry on Instagram. And uh, we couldn't decide if Tim was looking for us to come up there and uh, give him a hand in North Jersey because he asks, travel for work? Would you guys? Have you guys? And how far would you go? I'd say there's no limit to that uh, distance as long as, um, you know, the cost of travel is worked into the job. We'll go as far as as somebody would be willing to pay us to go. Yeah. Except for Tim, we'd go up for lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, you just, you know. Gotta be good lunch, though. (laughs) Tim's a badass. He doesn't need our help. No, yeah, man. Um, Some of these doors and stuff that Tim's made, <laughs> insane. But if he if he ever did, we'd be there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you so, bring us up, we'll buy you lunch, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> now you, that's crazy talk. <laughs> Tim's going to be on the podcast as soon as we start sort of having guests yeah. again. So, yeah. you know, we're doing our due diligence to... Uh, Keep a, now, keep our circle small right this now. This is the question that we haven't gotten. Is this the cursed yes, question, yes, Alan question. from Misfit Woodworking? What did you put a, a, a hex. hex on this thing? Yeah. Because 
If I look over and my laptop's off again, I'm going to scream. <laughs> it, was, it was rough enough getting started with the camera. Which router bits have you had the best experience with? Amana, Whiteside, CMT, Bits and Bits, or others? And Rob said, I think we use them all. <laughs> then I said... <laughs> I think the computer went off again. Oh, God. We have an Amana in the uh, router right now that we did all the sauce stuff with. Uh, we've got CMT in the drawer. We've got Bits and Bits and Whiteside. We have Astro-coded Whiteside bits from mm -hmm. Bits and Bits. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I don't know if any of them are better than the others. I really like the Astro-coded stuff by Bits and Bits. Yeah. Um, that compression flush trim bit is badass. It is. Both of them. We have the it quarter is. inch and the half inch. Um, I think as long as it's high quality, it's sharp, um, and that, that's kind of it. I mean, it's, it's the same stuff we say all the time. It sounds like we're repeating ourselves, but that's really it. If it's a good quality maker, they're, they're all pretty equivalent. Yep. Yeah, check out the Bits and Bits. Use uh, coupon code FRANK15, our buddy Frank out in San Diego, Carpenter13. Yeah, yeah. But, but speaking of blades, you know, I, <laughs> I have to, you know, digress just a little bit. We got that phone message just now from Ridge Carbide. Yeah. Who, there, now... We send our saw blades out to get sharpened, and I used to send them up to Dynamic in Buffalo. And, you know, it was a little bit of a big deal to get it all the way up to Buffalo, and it's a slow process. And since Ridge is like 45 minutes away, yep. we say we have the bright idea, go, let's try Ridge. Let's send our stuff over to Ridge. It'll yeah, be we back. got that Ridge carbide blade. Yeah, we have, we have their blades in our machine, so let's do that. Well, it's about a week. Now, this is mid-December we send them out. So last week, we're like, man, where are our saw blades? You know, we needed to swap out the blade. John Peters was nice enough to, to give us a blade, a CMT. And I call them up. It turns out they moved their entire operation to Kansas. <laughs> That's not a joke. I had to call Kansas and they're like, oh, yeah, we're just getting around to start sharpening now. You know, we just finished unpacking everything. <laughs> well, like, what? Yeah, we sent him out January 15th, uh, December 15th. And yeah. it's now January 20th. He needs the, the security code on the back of the card to send him out. That's what the voicemail, I just read it. And we got a very interesting email that we I'm dying to talk about, but we can't talk about it on okay. we can't talk about it on air. Oh. Um, so yeah, I would say check out bits and bits. All right, here's our next one from David this A. Is brand new for the first yeah. time today. This laptop is still on. We're doing okay. Yeah. D Atkins builds on Instagram. What'll happen next is the fucking power will go out. Yeah. Ever had an adjustable shelf not sit level? Use the jig for the holes, but one corner is about one thirty second low. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. All the time. Even happens with, um, you know, boring machines. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they make these uh, eccentric shelf pins. Mm -hmm. Personally, I hate the way they look. Yeah, they, they stick out like a sore thumb, but they will solve your problem. Yeah, so uh, you have that as a choice. The other one is to maybe add like a door bumper or something to your mm -hmm. shelf yeah. where it hits the pin. Yeah. Um, if it's a fine piece of furniture, you don't want to do that. I don't know what the hell you're gonna do. Yeah, it's depends what the sides made out of. Um, on occasion, even in in the plywood cabinet sides, I've plugged that hole 
um, and, and, and then just come back the next day and redrill them because we use those little collars. Yep. They'll cover up anything. Yeah, that, yeah. That'll, but you wouldn't even see it even if you didn't, if it's only a 32nd of an inch. But yeah, I've plugged the holes and redrilled them. Yeah, sometimes you can turn the pin. If mm-hmm. you have the pins that are flat, you yeah. can turn it 90. That's right. <laughs> or or 180 sometimes is yeah, enough yeah. with just yep. a little bit. Yeah. I'd say try any of those out. If it's a solid wood shelf, you can remake the shelf with a taper on it. Yeah. Taper the yep. sun. I've done that too. Um, <laughs> get crafty. You know all the ways to fix it. Yeah, yeah. Now you know that we've done the same thing too. Yep. If it's like a shop thing, just put a bunch of layers of blue tape there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, on to the next one. We're doing good. All right. Pin nailers and brad nailers. Most woodworkers use them in the shop. What is your go-to brand, and what do you look for in these tools? Oh, yeah. Pneumatic versus cordless, brushless or not. Does the battery platform play a role in your decision? Thank you for continuing to keep the podcast down to earth. From Randy M. Martin Woodwork 73 on Instagram. Thank you, Randy. Yeah, thanks, Randy. We're trying. I know we're big stars, but yeah. <laughs> we're trying to remain humble. <laughs> yeah, our wives keep us in check, believe yeah. me. The, I mean, it's been tough getting to my truck the last couple of days with yeah. paparazzi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cameras are flashing. <laughs> well, what do we got? We have a, um, in the shop, we have a Porter Cable pin nailer and a Bostitch 18 gauge. That's really all we use. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a Hitachi pin nailer. A Bostitch 18 and a pass load, regular pneumatic pass load 16 uh, at home. Yeah. And what about the Grex? Yeah. And then I also have the Grex GC1850, which is a gas powered 18 gauge, you know, cordless. And I have the Makita 23 gauge uh, pinner, Mm -hmm. you know, battery powered. You worked in the field for a long time. So you have a lot of stuff that, um, you know, makes it extra handy. All yeah. The cordless stuff too. Where me, I haven't left this building in the last 23 years. <laughs> At least not for an extended period of time. No. <laughs> I'd say things we look for, dry fire lockout. Please make it standard. I don't understand what the point of not having that is. Um, if you're saving money, it can't really be that much. I'd rather just, yeah. I'd pay an extra be- 20 because bucks. the next nailer we get we will not buy if no. it doesn't have dry fire i'd like to lock. ditch that boss it's just yeah, because, of the, because it doesn't the pin nailers especially you don't you have no clue when you're no. firing one or when you're not no. until your piece comes loose and you're like what the hell the one thing i'll say about that porta cable and the way things are going i shouldn't even bring it up but when i bought it, it a long time ago because they, they weren't that plentiful back then you know, people would say, "Yeah, oh, you got to be careful about which way you put the pins in. They're, they jam all the time. That thing has been a little workhorse. My only gripe with that is it only takes one inch, max one inch pins. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a stubby little thing. Yeah. So that's it. I mean, in the shop, we use full air tools. Yeah, we don't really use the nailers a whole lot. No. It's got to be something pretty rough to, yeah. to bust out the nailer. A lot of times when I'm working by myself, I'm putting a cabinet together like... I'll tack the corners, yeah. or like the plywood, just so it'll hold it together. I, I'm paranoid of nails coming out in the wrong directions. <laughs> they, they, they always tend yeah. to, they always tend to do that, don't they? Yeah. So um, I shy away from the nailers when I can. Yeah. I'd rather use a pocket hole. Yeah. If I'm worried yeah. about like tacking, yeah, we don't something together. we don't use it a lot actually. No. We use it on like this sauce thing to nail the trim on, mm-hmm. but um, 
then it's just a, a hole that has to be puttied. Yeah. If you're not going to see it, I'll just put a screw in. Yeah, we try to stay away from making holes where you're going to see them. Mm-hmm. That's just one of our little things. Oh, we're going here from Sal. Sal oh. the Carpenter on Instagram. Want to know about the real milk paint clear you used on the next story? I thought they only made paint. So he's referring to the story I put up uh, yesterday. It was after the one asking for the podcast questions. Uh, it was me applying some finish to the sauce wall. Mm-hmm. So that's real milk paint company, dark tongue oil. It's a pure tongue oil with um, hydrocarbons added to it that gives it yeah. a darker, darker color. They say it's like a naturally occurring resin. We had to look up yeah, what a hydrocarbon yeah. was. Yeah, because we're not <laughs> chemists. <laughs> we don't want we don't want to come up like we know, know that much. <laughs> so they have the regular pure tongue oil and the dark pure tongue oil. Yeah, yeah. So we're using the dark on this. It it gives it's like an antiquing look almost. Yeah. Uh, so it gave this appealy like a really nice it has medium a brown. Brown. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um the oil almost looks black. Yeah, yeah. Like a like a dark corn syrup. Yeah. Except not as thick. Or like oil. Yeah, yeah. Oil, yeah, that's a good like one. engine oil, you know, engine oil. Um, so yeah, their stuff is great. All natural. You could pour it in the grass. It's yeah, not we hurt like anything. them a lot. The solvent is a just uh, orange peel oil, so mm-hmm. you mix it fifty fifty, or you can buy it pre mixed. Um, we can finish in the middle of the day. The shop doesn't smell. It smell actually smells good. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what is uh, he's got the the name of the company down? Yeah, Real milk paint. So you can look them up online. Yeah, uh, they're down in Tennessee. Yeah. Small, you know, family owned company. Yeah. Check it out. And it's real easy to use. Yeah. It's real easy. Wipe it on, wipe it off, come back the next day, do it over again. Yeah. Do that as many days as you can stand and you're good to go. It's foolproof. Yeah. It polymerizes. Yeah. um, So it turns into, you know, like a hard finish on the inside of the wood. Yeah. The non-toxicity of it is is a big thing for us. Yep. And well, look look at this. I didn't even know this next question was coming. This is from See, Nathan I, T. I Tree of these, Life. I you, put these uh, together. Yeah, pretty we, good. Did kind of half an, half answered this question. Yeah. Uh, what made you guys decide to use tongue oil for everything? I don't mean that as a critique at all. Well, thank you, Nathan. We didn't even think that. Yeah, you better not be critiquing us, <laughs> Nathan. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, I think. We we just answered that question. I mean, yeah, then the, the uh, eco friendly nature of the product, the you know um, non toxic nature of it, the ease, ease of application, and we spend an awful lot of time and effort putting these pieces together to look good in, in the raw, and you know without finish on them. I mean, the finish is what highlights it, but we don't use finish to cover anything up to blend two pieces yeah. of disparate wood together um it's a wind chime going crazy yeah so the t- the tongue oil is perfect because it highlights what we've already done yeah and i like the feel of a penetrative finish mm-hmm. uh, versus a film finish i want to be able to feel the wood it is wood so yeah i want it to feel like wood yeah yeah uh we'll put a coat of wax on stuff to give it a little bit of sheen because yeah, the, the tongue oil is a very matte finish. Right. Just soft luster. We never we never really go for a, like a buffed out car thing. No, 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 no. No, I mean, we're not opposed to it if that's what somebody wants. Yeah. It's not our it's not our go-to thing. No, no. Yeah. All right. So that was pretty good. 
That was that was easy to answer. I'll read this one because I'm going right. to hand it off to you because this is more <laughs> your wheelhouse. How big should a single pedestal base be in ratio to a tabletop? 30 by 72 inch top from Brad uh, Ethan or Ethan, I-T-H-A-N, mm-hmm. Creek Woodworks on Instagram. Wow. Well, there might be formulas for this. Yeah. Um, Look up the book. Uh, I haven't read it yet. I have it. Human Dimension in Design, I think it's called. Yeah. It has all of the, the necessary information as the human body relates to furniture. Yeah. Those are great things. I, you know, I've built uh, my share of dining room tables and desks and things like that. And people generally, when they approach you for a job like this, they want to see X number of people. And it's usually more... That can fit. <laughs> so, and then you have to tell them that you can't sit, you know, twenty four inches apart, and and have you know. Yeah, this isn't a, a restaurant in New York City, right? Where the know, banquette is shoulder to shoulder. So you know, we try and fit like thirty inches. That's that's my rule of thumb. Thirty yeah. to thirty six inches is a comfortable you know, slot to fit into on a table. I'd say 30 inches wide for the table. That's pretty narrow. Yeah. And then you're going to need, uh, I mean, a foot is, is minimal for your knees. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to go more like 14 to 16 inches for, for knee space. Yep. Um, so now you're starting to get an idea how big this base can be, like where it's fastening to the table. And, that's that's how I start. It's like, what are my limitations? How is this going to fit with a human body in use? Like right. past the roast beef, I got my arms out and I'm cutting something. Yeah, what kind of plates do you have? 30 inches. Right. The plates might be touching it. The people that are sitting exactly. across from one another. Um, You're not going to have room for a glass or the salt or, or food. Exactly, exactly. And then you can kind of use your, you know, your common sense, so to speak, and how broad the base has to be so that the table's not tipping over. Right. Uh, if you're leaning on the edge. And a lot of that will have to do with the design of how the the base fastens to the table as well. Yeah, and a single pedestal on a 30 by 72 table, it's going to have to be quite long. Yeah, it'd have to be, it'd have to mirror the shape of the table in some respect. Yeah. Um, so... I would, you know, I think it's a great time to actually learn about this stuff instead of relying on um, like a formula or something like that. This is where you'll see the ins and outs of what affects that formula. Yep. Um, Because it's not just, well, you need something that's six inches clear here and 12 inches clear there. There's a lot of variables that go into it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we didn't really answer it. Completely, but we did give you a good place to to look for the information because that's really what it is. It's there is no hard fast yeah. answer to that. And you know, in terms of aesthetics, once you have your criteria set, like okay, I need to have this much space, yeah. then you can start to see what uh, visually you can fit into that space. Yeah, and what looks good, right? Because <laughs> it's got to look good while doing right. it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're rolling now. Oh yeah. 500-ish budget for a palm sander. Which one, two, would you buy? That's from Corey K. Corey R. Kennedy on Instagram. Well, we've said it once. We're going to say it again. <laughs> Get yourself either the five or the six-inch Rotex from Festool. That's it. You're going to be pushing a little closer to 600 bucks for one, but 
Um, well worth it, I think. It's a very versatile yeah. sander. Yeah. If you can only have one sander, that's the sander. We yep. we we nominated it as our shop favorite. I mean, we only have Festool sanders here in the shop. Yeah. We got four of them left. We had we had a couple that that went down for the count. Yeah. But uh, we've tried we tried most of them. I mean, I still want that Delta. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the Rotex hands down is if you can only have one, go for it. Yep. Uh, we love it. All right. So you want to read the next one? Yeah, this is from uh, Terraform Woodworking on Instagram. For this project with cherry, do you usually use 100% solid wood or do you use plywood for the carcass? Yeah, Terraform. I like that. I'd say typically um, we do have some type of plywood casework, uh, but for this, it's going to be a... Um, it's going to be open most of the time, yeah. this cabinet. It's a coffee bar, like a mealy built-in coffee maker and a, a instant hot and chilled water tap. So 99% of the time in this these folks' kitchen, it's going to be open uh, so that they have access to these things. Yeah. But they want the ability to be able to close the doors when they have company, you know, if there's a mess. So we just thought it would be, you know, easier and look better if the casework was all solid wood. So we'll have a, a plywood back, which we got some really nice cherry plywood in today for that. Um, but then the rest is all solid yeah. wood. This, ent- this entire it's piece right is, here. is solid cherry, um, except for the backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's really nice to build cases that way. Yeah. Um, and if you're go- we're going to go with solid sides, then what happens on the top and the bottom then you have to worry about the movement with the sides yeah. between the bottom you go with some kind of a sliding dovetail it's, so now everything's going to move in the yeah. same relatively the same amount um we're set up to work with solid wood it's, yeah. it's easier for us it's actually. just adding a step really yeah. to and because they're flat the sides are flat there's mm-hmm. they're not frame yeah. panel so uh to do ply a plywood carcass on the inside would just be adding a step and adding yeah. thickness and material costs and time and this and that just uh, kind of like with the frameless, we do what makes sense. So this case, all solid wood makes right. sense. So that's what we're doing. Right. Exactly. Saw stop. A saw stop question. With the sliding crosscut table, is it worth the upgrade? This is a question from one of our patrons, Dustin F. Fair, like mayor. Fair, yeah. <laughs> or, or, with my Brooklyn, Texas accent, fair. <laughs> I'd say uh, if you're going to get the saw stop, yeah, spring the, for the extra money yeah. and get it. It's, I mean, we use it every day. We do. It's we great. Do. It takes it's not a, without its own little quirks, but right. But it's better than a miter gauge. It's not perfect, no, but, no, it's, but it's better to have it. I've yet to find a perfect tool, so yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing pretty good over there at saw stop. So we're going to say, yes, it is worth it. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's one from another patron, Rich M., one of our newest cool. newest patrons. Rich is the, the gentleman uh, that sent us those Picas a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Or was that, that last week? Last that's, week. That's my main pencil now. Yeah. Uh, Rich wants to know, I'm trying to decide on whether or not to spend the annual fee for SketchUp Pro. How much do you use cut lists, or do you keep track of cabinet pieces another way? This really ties into the, the earlier question from ah. Randall. Um, we don't get our cut lists from SketchUp Pro. No, I mean, we're kind of pulling those out manually from SketchUp. Yeah. Um, but we definitely want to figure out how to do that on SketchUp Infusion that way. Right. But I'd say if you're going to pay for something, um, 
I understand if you're if you're you know SketchUp really well and you want to stick with that, but look into Fusion or something like that. Maybe yeah. see if you're gonna spend money, um, get something that's more powerful. Maybe. Yeah, I agree. Um, we just yeah we pull our our cut lists off. The cut list isn't really that big, and um, by the time you have the drawings there, the the cut list is just you know it's ten minutes of of pencil work. Yeah. Um, we we like to work from the pictures. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Who knows what we got on tape and what we did and what the hell we talked about and what we didn't. But we're saying we just kind of build intuitively. The the numbers are just there as a as a reference, and the overalls are all we got to hit. Show us so, the picture. Yeah, if you're building doors and you know you're supposed to have the drawing show a three inch style and it ends up two and fifteen, well, you can't follow the numbers anymore. So yeah, yeah. you just got to look at the overalls and work off of that. Exactly. This isn't a a, a scientific lab. But no. not everything works out perfectly, especially on like something like the the coffee bar, the armoire. It's a one off piece, so it doesn't have to match anything, you know. Yeah, and if it's supposed to be forty eight and it ends up forty seven and three quarter, well, right? Well, you go with the flow because sometimes the wood isn't going to yield it. Right. You know, there may be a defect that you know disallows it. So, mm-hmm. so we're we're pretty laid back with that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, here's a, I know mistakes are inevitable in woodworking, but what mistakes did you find yourself self making less and less of as you grew as craftsmen over the years? In other words, what mistakes should we aspiring woodworkers be looking to grow out of? That's from Adam P. And this is three patrons in a row. Yeah, we got even more. This the wind is, a, is going crazy. No, yeah, I saw 20, 22 miles an hour. This is a, it's a tough question because you, I, at least I try not to dwell on my mistakes. So they don't really jump out Mm -hmm. to me at first. Um, I'd say like sort of those transcription errors and, and simple math errors and stuff. Mm -hmm. Those are really where something simple can turn into a big problem. So if you can, (laughs) you can learn how to, you know, check your work and, and just stay on top of, um, you know, accurately transcribing information, you're going to yeah, save a lot yeah. of headaches. That's a biggie. Moving numbers around from one spot to the next, it's so easy to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I sort of started going to like measuring sticks, like for doors and things like that. If I have several openings, I'll cut a stick and I'll write on it. This is the opening to, you know, Cabinet twelve, opening three, mm-hmm. and now then I'll just know, and I can have it with me. I don't have to worry about is that twenty four and seven sixteenths or eleven sixteenths. I can't remember. I know a guy that used to cut little sticks up like that. Yeah, and stack them all next to each other. Yeah, like <laughs> I throw mine away after the job's done. <laughs> but transcription errors. Yeah, and I think the more mis- of a uh, singular mistake you make the more you learn to grow out of it. So whatever it is that you're doing now that you wish you weren't, that's what's going to yeah. happen. You'll, yeah, and, you'll you know, mistakes, uh, they're going to happen. They, yeah, we make mistakes all the time, but we're really good at backtracking and fixing them. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing. That, um, and I think with that confidence, actually, there are less mistakes. Yep. You know, there, it's not very nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. Because we know, hey, I made this from scratch anyway. I can fix it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the old parent. I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. 
right. we got another patron question here from wow. Alec M. Alhead Wood, uh, Woodco. Yeah. On Instagram. Chasing perfection. I'm not the only one to over-obsess about things that probably don't matter. <laughs> Getting square cuts to within a thousandth of an inch. Making sure your tools are set up, not just good enough, but perfect, etc. How far do you feel you should chase something to be perfect when it really doesn't matter in the end result? In both projects, tool setup, and other aspects of woodworking. Or is it worth just accepting the, quote, if it's straight, it's straight frame of mind? Yeah, well... You know what they say about the Parthenon? What's that? No straight lines in there. Yeah. It, because it looks straight. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I wonder if that's what he's asking. You know, does it look right? If it looks right, it's right. Right. If it's if it's not straight, but it all looks straight, does it really matter if it's <laughs> if it's you put a you know three hundred dollar straight edge on it and it's perfectly straight? Right. Uh, I don't think so. No. And. Uh, as we say here, lots of times, we're not building the space shuttle. Or the Japanese satellite. <laughs> what, is a, what is an organic material? It's a thousandth of an inch. You're going to cut it, and then tomorrow you come move. back, it's different. It's yeah. not the same. It's yeah. it's uh, If it's straight, it is straight. That's the way I see yeah. it. Yeah, We do chase perfection here, but Absolutely. within reason. Yeah. I mean, we're always working our hardest to do our best. Right. Um, but we understand the limitations of ourselves, of the of the material we work with. Um, and and that's that's just the, the truth of it. So don't obsess. That's our advice. You yeah, know, because strive. You know, you're right. You could have a job and you do everything to the book, everything dead square, perfectly 90, straight as an arrow. And then you get to the end and it still didn't make a difference because something happened, <laughs> the wood moved, and and you're going to feel so defeated because yeah. I felt that way before because I am a perfectionist and yeah. I'm super conscious of all this stuff. Um, so it's not worth the hassle. Just yeah. make it right. Yeah, You don't have to chase these these insane numbers. We're not working with metal on a, you know, on a mill where we're That's talking right. about thousandths of an inch. That's right. If you're within a 128th, or a 64th, usually, you're good enough. Yeah, you can't. And we can see slight discrepancies yeah. with, our, with our eye because we've just been doing it for so long. So we'll, we know if something's not right. Yeah, and, you know, put a set of calipers or a straight edge on any piece of furniture that you come across. Nothing's yeah. perfect. No. It's no. Not if it's made out of wood, at least. Yeah. All right, I hope that was good advice. Yeah. You know, um, I did graduate high school in Texas, so I think I'm qualified to read this next. Yeah, this is uh, uh, overflow from last week. I, <clears throat> I missed it. If I ever miss your question, it's not because it didn't make the cut. It's because I forgot. So just yeah, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is from Chip H. Two chipped on Instagram. And he's he's from Georgia. So he asks, what are y'all's thoughts on opening up hardwood? Um, you know, I say y'all in Texas too. Yeah. And you know what else they say in Texas? I'm fixing to fixing. I'm fixing to do this. I say that sometimes kind of yeah. like a little bit tongue in cheek. So what are y'all's thoughts on opening up hardwood, whether ripping, planing, cross cutting, basically, basically opening it up to a fresh oxygen after shot acclimation, man, I'm having a hard time here. Do you open it up on all six sides and let it rest overnight? Or do, you, or do you go right into the sizing that you need? And if you're not using an oil, 
going from an unconditioned shop into a low humidity home. We touched on this a little bit before. Yeah. Who, or we may have got, I don't know. We don't know what version made yeah, it. Or if it made it at all. Um, <laughs> we do. We will open it up on all six sides. So we'll cut it, rough cut it. Sometimes we rough cut and then don't joint until the next day. But that's yeah. just like a timing thing usually. Yeah. So we'll rough cut it, join it, plane it. Um, I'd Sticker say it. Yeah, I'd say that typically it's more like four sides. The edges might not get touched. Right. So we'll uh, cut the ends, join a face, plane the other face, then sticker it up. Yeah. Wait at least overnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, then come in, start to bring it down to, to final thickness. Yeah. It's what we did uh, with this cherry here. We, yeah. we rough cut it, face jointed it. And, you know, of course, you have to mark everything, all the pieces, because we don't just... You know, grab boards and just join them and create these long, wide boards. Yep. We first select all the wood that we're going to use for which part. We have our drawings. We go through. We pick it out. We put a, a letter designation on it, rough cut it, face join it, plane it, sticker it, and then repeat the next day. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't know like what Chip is getting at, basically when you when you take the rough surface or even just <clears> the <throat> top surface, the the outside surfaces of these pieces of wood are the driest out of the, mm-hmm. out of it all. The very core of the wood has the highest moisture content because that's just the way it it works. It just evaporates from the inside out. Right. Um so when you let's say you take a board and you just face join it and and leave it to sit, it's going to cup yeah. Because now you have one side that's very dry, the side that didn't get touched, and the other side that's very, not very wet, but it's it has a higher moisture content than the opposite side. So it's going to cup, I guess what, the bow will be yeah. up towards the dry side. Yeah. Um, so something that we try and do is if we take two passes on the joiner to clean the face, we want to try and take two passes on the planer yeah. so that we're taking an equal amount off so yeah. we end up with equal... Uh, moisture content on both of those faces, yeah, you you're less likely to get a cup. Maintain equilibrium as best as you possibly can right. within reason. Yeah. Um. So he and he wants to know, you know, are we worried about it? If uh, if I'm not, if you're not using an oil going from an unconditioned shop into a low humidity home. Um, we have a conditioned shop, so it's not really. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're living a privileged life. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> no, that's we, a joke. We do it um, for the wood, really. Exactly. We can live with the with the being colder and hotter, but um, it just makes life a little easier. But we we build things sort of worst case scenario anyway. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to use sound joinery and construction techniques to ensure that the piece is going to withstand these swings in in humidity. Yeah, yeah. I remember, uh, wow, it was maybe 15, 14 years ago, I built these big uh, sliding doors in the bedroom. They were probably like nine feet by four feet, and they were maple, and they were running horizontally, and they had like aluminum strips in there. It was sort of a design feature, and also it was kind of like uh, like an expansion joint. Um. And the homeowner went away. Uh, you told yeah, us. In the wind, it was in the wintertime up in Hoboken, and he turned his heat down to like 50 because, you know, he didn't want to do it. And so then he comes home, cranks the heat up, and one of the doors split. Oh. 
<laughs> he called me up and I'm like, and he says, oh yeah, I think I got a little crack in one of the door. And I was a little bit incredulous thinking, no. And then, so he sends me a picture. Now he didn't tell me this. He didn't give me the backstory <laughs> until I fixed it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks a lot, buddy. That makes me think we should put something in our like scope of work letter that, that, uh, mentions like the necessity to keep a consistent humidity. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. Because it really, I mean, it'll have an effect. Oh yeah. You know, so Chip knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Thanks for your question, Chip. Yeah. Well, let's keep this train rolling. We got to do the Patreon show too. It's getting late. I got, I got places to be. I got a wife that's going to be mad. <laughs> What'd you think about the beer? I can't remember it. It was, I know, it's like two hours ago. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, it was it good. It was good. It was really good. Um, Pipeworks, any other name? Uh, I guess, you know, Rose by any other name. Yeah, That's the yeah. play on words. Uh, it was brewed and bottled in Chicago, Illinois. And it was a Saison, which I think is, this was my first one. Yeah, I'm not, uh, Saison, not on the top of my list of styles that I like the most, but. It was very mm-hmm. light. Yeah, I thought they're a little funky, a little, uh, you know, they have that um, like not wild yeast, but that kind of funky Belgian mm-hmm. kind of yeast thing. It was good. I mean, I if I, if I showed up at a party and they had that in like a cooler with some other ones, I, I might grab it. Yeah. If it was a little colder, I think I would have liked it better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have that uh, tool of the week down in the description. Yeah. Of the podcast and the YouTube version of the podcast check us out on youtube we got more videos coming out all the time trying to make a make it a point to film what we're doing so we yeah, can broaden our horizons yeah but yeah hey episode 20 in the books yep finally as difficult and <laughs> painful as it was look the laptop's still on <laughs> it's still on. third time's the charm they say For now yeah we'll see all you patrons in the patreon after show if you guys want to help support the podcast head over to our patreon we do a little after show every week 30 yeah. 45 minutes of yeah. uh we cook, you know talk about all kinds of stuff woodworking other stuff yeah banana revolution yeah yeah all kinds of big news going on mm-hmm. all right well you guys be safe out there and thank you very much we'll see you next week ciao